This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. It's Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Good morning and welcome back to the second hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us across America on the Memorial of St. Hilary, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Of course, you can always email us also at morningair at relevantradio.com. On Thursdays, we always remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to try to make a, a visit to the Blessed Sacrament sometime today if you get a chance, just even just for 60 seconds, go in and say hello to our Lord. I want to check in uh, with my colleague, Glenn Leverance. Glenn, uh, what's in the headlines this morning? What are you keeping an eye on? Well, like everyone else, keeping an eye on COVID, John, as the cavalcade of uh, interesting and sometimes conflicting info uh, continues to, to pour our way, reminding that uh, we want to keep everyone safe and their loved ones uh, safe as well. Uh, the NCAA, uh, who has a lot of athletes in close contact with one another uh, for sporting events, of course, um, the way they're looking at someone being fully vaccinated now, uh, two months since the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, five months since the Pfizer, six months since Moderna, any time after that if you've been boosted, or if in the last three months you've tested for COVID and have gotten through that, considered to be fully vaccinated as well. Some studies, John, out of Israel saying that uh, pretty good immunity exists for those within three months of having the vaccine. And then others will say if you add uh, a vaccine, I'm sorry, after having COVID, but if you add a vaccine even after that, it's, it's, it's even stronger. Absolutely. I, I think it's encouraging uh, to see the NCAA, a major organization here in our country, uh, going in that direction and actually recognizing natural immunity because it's something that the CDC has yet to fully recognize, unlike many other countries in other parts of the world. So I think that maybe we are heading in the right direction with that move uh, from the NCAA. And a reminder as well, Pope Francis just Monday speaking to ambassadors at the Vatican said vaccines are not a magical means of healing, yet they represent, in addition to other treatments, the most reasonable solution for the prevention. So, uh, you know, we have church leaders uh, advising to get the vaccine as well. So, uh, you know, please keep everything in mind as we try to keep one another safe out there. And we're going to talk about uh, COVID and the vaccines here momentarily. So, as always, th thanks so much, Glenn. Sure thing, John. First things first, we always uh, begin every hour giving thanks to our Lord through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, 
pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on Morning Air when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may attain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. The Apostle St. Paul reminds us that the spiritual life is a lot like an athletic competition. He uses the language of sports. Athletes fight and prepare to win a crown, like the Georgia Bulldogs, the recent college football national champions. But as spiritual athletes for Christ, our goal is the crown of eternal life, an incorruptible crown with our Lord Jesus Christ, our Blessed Mother Mary, St. Joseph, and all the angels and saints in heaven for all eternity. That is our real goal. I want to encourage you to run the race of life and to run to win with our Lord Jesus Christ. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Once again, if you want to be part uh, of our conversation, 888-914-9149. Now, Omicron continues to make headlines uh, every single day. It's absolutely uh, affecting our country right now with 700,000 to a million cases a day. There are more COVID cases today than a year ago when the vaccine was just being rolled out. What should our perspective be on Omicron? Is there a silver lining to this pandemic? Could Omicron be nature's COVID vaccine? Joining us now for much more is Dr. Paul Carson to talk about the latest on the Omicron variant, the vaccines, and Fluorona. Dr. Carson is a physician specializing in infectious diseases. He's a professor in the Department of Public Health at North Dakota State University, where he teaches and conducts research on the management of infectious diseases in public health. And is also the director of the Center for Immunization Research and Education. Good morning, Dr. Carson. Welcome back to Morning Air. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again for the first time here in the new year. Good morning, John, and Happy New Year to you. Good to be back with you again. Well, uh, you are very much uh, needed because there's so much information out there um, when it comes to uh, to COVID and and to uh, the Omicron variant, the the pandemic. In fact, we know a whole lot more about Omicron than the last time that you and I hooked up back in early December. What's the latest? Uh, What what are your, your most important takeaways, doctor? Yeah, we do know a lot more now, John, and information's coming at us sort of uh, fast and furious every day. Uh, Trying to keep uh, up to date with this is almost a full-time job. As we talked about the last time when we visited, Omicron is the latest variant of concern. It had a number of mutations, which has enabled it to be much more easily spread, much more contagious. We know that it's now about two to three times more likely to spread to uh, someone's contacts than the Delta variant, which was already about twice as likely uh, than earlier variants to spread. So it's just way more contagious. We're getting sort of up in the range of what we would see with things like mumps and measles, or very, very contagious viruses. We've also learned that it may be uh, uh, somewhat less virulent. I think we're learning more about that, and we can get more into that in, in a moment here. Um, and we know that it's uh, upon us in the U.S. right now. It's especially hitting us in, up in my uh, neck of the woods in the upper Midwest. Uh, we're really kind of heading into our uh, early surge of the, this next wave. 
Well, uh, Doctor, full disclosure, my entire family just got over Omicron uh, last week, including this reporter. Uh, this was the second time that we had COVID. Uh, we got the original alpha virus uh, a year ago, just before Christmas. This time it was a lot milder uh, than the first time. It felt a lot more like a, a bad cold with some aches and pains and some headaches, but we all got over it, uh, except my 88-year-old mother-in-law, my wife Cindy's mom, uh, just left the hospital yesterday uh, after battling with COVID pneumonia. So it definitely hit her hard. So the question is, why are so many people getting Omicron? Uh, it, it doesn't seem to matter whether you're vaxxed or not, uh, whether you've had COVID uh, before or not. It's spreading like a bad cold. Yeah, your observations are very uh, appropriate, John. And I'm sorry to hear what uh, your family just went through, and especially your mother-in-law, and I hope she makes a full recovery. Uh, but you're spot on with uh, some of your observations there. Because of the the number of mutations in the Omicron virus, Omicron variant of the virus, um, it's been able to escape uh, much of the immunity from either vaccination or prior infection. So um, we are seeing that it can break through, uh, particularly a two-dose vaccinated uh, person um, or someone with prior infection. In fact, those two things are shaping out to be about equivalent. Somebody with a past infection has about the same degree of immunity or, or lack thereof as somebody with two doses of the vaccine against infection. Um, both have fairly decent protection against severe illness. Not perfect, um, but, but your family, for example, is probably going to come out of this a lot better able to fend off the next uh, variant or the next wave um, and very likely to stay out of the hospital in the future. Um, but thanks be to God, doctor. Believe difficult. me, thanks be to God because uh, we're yeah. extremely grateful. We're we're all feeling good. Uh, obviously, my mother-in-law at 88, she's uh, she's still recovering. But uh, both my wife and I uh, were feeling much much better. And my son, ironically, he was all around us. He tested negative. He never got it. So he's got a very strong uh, immune system <laughs> because he had COVID a year ago, but it didn't didn't seem to affect him this time around. I'm I'm reading in a lot of uh, of places that this could be nature's COVID vaccine. Uh, is that something that we can hope for? Yeah, the silver lining out of all of this is that um, because this is so contagious and we're going to see so many infections. I mean, a lot of us are going to get and hopefully nothing more than an Omicron cold in the near future if we've had some prior immunity. I still would be very uh, uh, worried for the people that have taken no vaccine or have not had a prior infection. They're going to be susceptible to more severe illness, and we should get into that a bit here in a second, too. But the silver lining is, is that this is going to spread so much and boost people who've been prior infected, boost people who've been prior vaccinated, um, and and attack the people who've had no uh, immunity before, that we're going to come out of this, I think, in a much better place with population-level immunity and less likelihood for a big wave like this to occur in the future. If you have a specific question for Dr. Carson uh, about COVID, the Omicron variant, or the vaccines, you can give us a call. We have open lines as we speak right now, 888-914-9149, There's so much information out there about COVID, about Omicron. Uh, there seems to be a, a lack of clarity uh, from uh, the health authorities, especially the CDC. It seems like they've changed their minds so so many times we don't know what to believe or, or what to trust, doctor. 
it's tough. I, I mean, I, I know people are confused. I know people are frustrated. Um, unfortunately, you're seeing sort of science play out in the public view in real time, and it's a lot like making sausage. So, um, you know, we typically say in the scientific community, we oscillate towards greater and greater knowledge and greater and greater uh, view of the truth. Um, so you, you learn something, you correct, you get corrected, you learn something new, you get corrected, and you're seeing that play out. This is not because of uh, uh, really incompetence or, or sort of willful misinformation. It's because things change on the ground, and we're trying to adapt and learn and uh, get, get better, better at uh, you know, knowing what's true and what to do about these things. Uh, Dr. Carson, um, since Omicron seems so incredibly uh, contagious, uh, yet not causing the same number uh, of deaths, do you think it might be better uh, to uh, count hospitalizations and, and deaths instead of cases? Because, I mean, the cases have gone, uh, you know, berserk. Yeah, that's a great question, John. This has actually been something that's kind of been talked about in the public health community almost through the pandemic. So hospitalizations, they, they have some problems, too, which we can get to in, in a second, but um, hospitalizations and deaths are much more objective measures of of what's going on, and, and they're really what we're concerned about the most. We, we don't care if a lot of people are getting colds. We care if people are getting sick, landing in the hospital, or dying. But uh, there is some, still some value in looking at cases and when they're starting to surge and when they're you know peaking so that we can kind of predict um, for example, on hospital staffing issues, and when we bring in like you know National Guard nurses into a community, we can we can predict typically one to two weeks from a surge in cases, we're going to have our hospitals being stretched and strained, and we're going to be seeing more deaths and so on. There's some value in it, but but the measures you talked about, hospitalizations and deaths, are much more objective measures. One of the things that uh, I've never been able to understand is uh, why the CDC uh, and, and the Biden administration hasn't emphasized uh, therapeutics, especially early on in the, these COVID infections. I, I know that, like, for example, with my mother-in-law, uh, the, the hospital basically told, told us that there was no medicine for her, and it seemed a little confusing. Uh, what about, uh, you know, monoclonal antibodies that have been so successful in certain parts of the country, like in Florida, for example, and, and other uh, uh, drugs like uh, ivermectin and, and uh, you know, natural stuff like zinc. It seems like that this has not been emphasized. It's always been only about the vaccines, and we're seeing the vaccines are not being effective against uh, Omicron. Yeah. So first, let me just say the vaccines are uh, looking to be pretty effective against severe illness, especially three-dose vaccinated people. Um, that's, that's holding up at almost 90% protection against severe illness. So uh, a person with uh, prior infection and one dose of the vaccine and a person with three doses of the vaccine um, are in the best shape of all uh, um, for for preventing severe illness. So it's still the best path to staying out of the hospital or dying of this. But we, we of course, want uh, therapeutics. But these are hard to turn around. I mean, typically, development of a new drug or finding a, an old drug that might have some activity against particularly viruses, is, is a hard job to try and uh, spit out. And that, that usually takes years to develop. And it, actually, it's sort of stunning that we've had some uh, what looked to be successful therapeutics within two years, uh, you know, almost since the start of the pandemic. Um, the problem with the monoclonal antibodies now, unfortunately, <clears throat> is there's about six of those that we're able to use. Only one of them works against the Omicron variant something called sotrovimab. That's the only one that works. And it's in short supply. We, it's, it's really a production issue, and they're, they're trying to crank this out. 
the uh, Pfizer drug, Paxlovid, also looks to be very efficacious, but it's in short supply. So th- these are these are production issues now, um, and and we're trying to get those out. For the other kind of remedies, like you're talking about zinc, vitamin D, um, there's there's no harm to those. There may be a benefit. The, the evidence isn't nearly as strong that those are going to really keep you out of trouble, but uh, I take vitamin D, for example. Um, we've looked at zinc for other viruses in the past. It's it's weaker evidence um, may help, and, and I think is worth a try. But you, if you're getting sick and you're vulnerable, you should get tested and still try and get in and see if you can get one of these therapies. I think they will be more available in the near future, but it's really a production issue right now. We're joined by Dr. Paul Carson, Professor of Practice Management of Infectious Diseases at North Dakota State University, talking about the latest on COVID and Omicron uh, and the vaccines. Uh, if you have a question, you can give us a, a call. Uh, we do have uh, uh, some open lines, 888-914-9149. That's 888 uh, Becky is joining us from Austin, Texas. Good morning, Becky. Uh, you're on with Dr. Carson. Good morning, John and Dr. Carson. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, is there any vaccine at all um, available that has no association whatsoever with aborted baby um, fetal uh, cells or stem cells? Um, I know that the um, association with the current vaccines on the market are, oh, that it's uh, very remote, you know, and all this kind of stuff, but I haven't heard of one vaccine uh, or one pharmaceutical company that is even contemplating, um, uh, you know, getting a vaccine going that has no association, testing, development, et cetera. Yeah, yeah thank you for that question. Uh, you know, the sad truth about this is, is that um, currently with all the ones that are either available in the United States or working their way through the pipeline in the U.S. Uh, with uh, soon to be approved, um, all of them have at least that remote connection with aborted fetal cell lines. I, I'd say the one silver lining in this is that this has actually brought attention to this issue in a way that we've never seen before in, in you know, the sort of public health immunization world. Um, and there's a biotech company, for example, in my uh, city uh, that's, that's very dedicated to developing ethical cell lines to test these things. But the, the other thing that's sort of been discovered with all of this is just how ubiquitous these Aborted fetal cell lines are used in all kinds of things, testing, you know, medications, testing food additives, testing cosmetics. Uh, um, these cell lines are, are uh, um, very commonly used, and it's, it's actually very hard to avoid that remote connection and um, consume food, consume number other consumer products, or take medicines. So I, I, my hope is that this will draw attention and, and other ethical cell lines will be used more in the future. But to the short answer to your question is at this current time, no, there is not a vaccine that is completely free of this remote connection. Thanks so much, uh, Becky. Uh, Dr. Carson, um, I'm still amazed that the CDC continues to downplay natural immunity. In fact, uh, just the other day, uh, the NCAA actually said that athletes who had COVID are going to be considered fully vaccinated. Um, that I think that that's a positive sign, something that has been going on in other countries around the world, especially in Europe. I find it mind-boggling that the CDC has refused to acknowledge natural immunity. Yeah, I, I think um, 
I think you're right. When I listened to your earlier segment and heard that about the NCAA, I have not heard that before, so that's very interesting to me. Um, I really do think we should count people with a prior infection about the same as a person with a two-dose vaccine. But recognize, just as you saw with your own family, um, two doses of vaccine is really not doing much of anything to protect against uh, infection with Omicron, nor is prior infection. They're both uh, um, breaking through very, very commonly. Both have about 50 to 70 percent protection against severe illness. But a person with natural infection and one dose and a person with three doses have about 90, 90 plus percent protection against subsequent infection. But uh, to, to, to be fair, to your point, I do think we should be recognizing this. And again, we want to emphasize uh, uh, people that have high comorbidities, people that are overweight, that have heart problems, older people uh, over 45, 50 years old, uh, the vaccine is appropriate. But I think that natural immunity definitely has to be recognized. Uh, before we run out of time, uh, doctor, what about uh, the so-called fluorona? <laughs> what is this all about? So that's it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, uh, name of, uh, given to what's occurring right now, which is sort of a twin pandemic. So influenza, uh, we're having a kind of a rip-roaring year with a flu outbreak that's uh, looking like it's peaking in much of the country about the same time as this Omicron surge. It's not a new virus. It's not a combination of the virus. It's that both viruses are circulating right now, and we're actually seeing people who come down with infection with both. So if, if you're coming down with a, a viral illness, respiratory illness, it's, it's important to get looked at for both. I just had a colleague who had this who kept getting tested for COVID as he was sick, and he says, it's coming up negative. I said, you know, you need to get tested for influenza, and he went in, and that's what it was. And there's, there are good treatments available for influenza, so we want to be aware that that's circulating right now as well. One other thing, it's hard to believe that uh, we're still talking about uh, the right kind of mass here almost two years into the pandemic, but there's been a lot of confusion uh, about the mass. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, Dr. Fauci is admitting that, uh, uh, that the, uh, the masks, uh, the cloth masks are probably not the best uh, for us to use. A quick thought on the masks. Yeah, so I think... Um that's because of the change in the virus. This virus is way more contagious, which kind of suggests that it may be circulating more by what we call airborne transmission. And cloth masks and the surgical masks, the sort of blue surgical masks that we often wear, aren't very good at stopping airborne spread uh, viruses. So really, if you're wanting to wear a mask to try and protect against uh, infection, you need that needs to be the sort of upgraded mask of what we call N95s or K95s, KN95s. Um, and that's because the virus has changed. It, 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 the data isn't great on the earlier, uh, you know, forms, but um, but uh, it does not look like those may be working nearly as well with the Omicron strain. In fact, uh, my wife uh, tried on uh, N95 masks yesterday to visit uh, my mother-in-law at the nursing home where she's there for rehab. Uh, and she said it was amazing what a difference it makes to put on one of those masks. But she said it was hard to breathe. You can't imagine wearing one of those things uh, for hours at a time. Yeah, well, then you can sympathize with us in healthcare because we have to wear those around uh, for sometimes hours uh, throughout the day. It is very hard. It is very hard. But if you're going to the grocery store, if you're going for a quick visit, I mean, that, that's maybe a good path to go for because wearing those 15, 20 minutes is, is usually doable. But you are absolutely right. Uh, Dr. Carson, uh, final 30 seconds, final thoughts. Do you see light at the end of the tunnel for this pandemic? Yeah, I think we have to be humble because I've made predictions before which have been wrong. 
but I do. I, I think when we come out of this Omicron surge, uh, I think we're going to be at a better place. I, I still would encourage people to get vaccinated because um, we even know one dose of the vaccine now decreases somewhat risk in that very short period afterwards. So you might be able to avoid this Omicron surge, even if you're starting now or get boosted now. But I think we're going to be at a better place come, I'd say, March for sure. Well, thanks so much uh, for your perspective. Uh, th- there's so many questions. We just scratch uh, the, uh, the the top of the, of the surface here. There's so much more we could talk about. But I really appreciate uh, your, your, your thoughts here today. Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Great. Carson. Yeah, thank you, John. Great. Dr. Paul Carson, physician specializing in infectious diseases, professor in the Department of Public Health at North Dakota State University. We need to take a, a short time out when Morning Air continues our spiritual director. Father James Kabicki will be with us once again to discuss the baptism of the Lord as well as confession, a fresh start to our path to holiness. Stay with us. There's much more to come straight ahead as Morning Air continues. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air. 888-914-9149 is our number. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Now, this past Sunday, January 9th, we celebrated the baptism of the Lord, which means the end of the Christmas season. Our next guest will help us answer some interesting questions we might have about Jesus' baptism. We'll also talk a little bit about baptism and confession and how they are so much connected and how similar they are. Joining us now is our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, with much more on the baptism of the Lord and confession, a fresh start to our path to holiness. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota, and of course, a relevant radio contributor with his daily prayer reflections, as well as a longtime contributor to this show. Good morning, Father Kabicki. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Great to be with you once again for the first time here in the new year. Thank you, John. Good to be with you, and blessed Happy New Year to you and also to all our listeners. I hope it's off to a good start. I know for me, you know, one of the things as we came to the end of the Christmas season last Sunday with the Feast of the Baptism of Our Lord, I think that's always a good time to ask the question, you know, about Jesus' own baptism and our baptism. Because, you know, at the beginning of Advent, we have those stories of John the Baptist baptizing people in the Jordan River, and a lot of times people get confused and they think, well, that's the sacrament of baptism. Well, it wasn't. It was a symbol of purification, a symbol of conversion, just a symbol, not the reality of Christian baptism. And so, you know, we might ask, well, if it was a symbol of purification, of people converting from a bad way of life to wanting to uh, love God and love neighbor, why was it that Jesus, who was without sin, got into the Jordan River and was baptized by John? And what's been said about that is the following, that Jesus, in entering into those waters of the Jordan, 
entered into sinful humanity. It was a way that he took upon himself the sins of the world, which is what he did on the cross. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world by taking them upon himself. And so his baptism in the Jordan was kind of an anticipation of what he would do on the cross. And then early church theologians have also said this, John, that Jesus was not made holy by the waters of the Jordan River, but Jesus made those waters holy. In other words, that he made water the source of eternal life that we have in the sacrament of baptism. So that's a little explanation, I think, to try to uh, separate uh, the idea of Jesus going into the Jordan River and Christian baptism, because our, our Christian baptism is different from what John the Baptist was doing. So John's baptism was not a sacrament, but a symbol of repentance. Um, John's baptism could not take away sin the way that the sacrament of baptism for us does uh, t- today. Um, we we have this gift of the sacrament of baptism. Our separated uh, brethren, many of them uh, don't believe that baptism is a sacrament. They think of it as merely an ordinance, just a symbol. But for us, it truly is something special. That's right. And it, one could say when we were baptized, it was the greatest day of our lives. Because in the gospel accounts of Jesus' baptism, what, what happened to him happens to us. So at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, it came upon him in a visible form of a dove, but just as real, the Holy Spirit came upon us and entered into us so that we, as we traditionally say, became temples of the Holy Spirit. But then the other thing that happened at Jesus' baptism that happens at our baptism is that God the Father claims us as his beloved son. And so Jesus heard the words, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus um, shares that with us through the sacrament of baptism. So each of us, as it were, again, not audibly, but in a very real way, the Father said to us, you are my beloved daughter, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased at this moment. And so, you know, baptism is the greatest day of our lives, and regarding our separated brothers and sisters, uh, non-Catholic Christians, if the formula of I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, if that formula was used when they were baptized, they truly received the sacrament, and they don't need to be rebaptized when they enter into the Catholic Church. Uh, Father Kabicki, you, you mentioned uh, baptism being the, the greatest uh, day of our lives. Uh, I have a, a little holy card that I keep in my missile uh, from my first Holy Communion, believe it or not. And on the back, I actually have written the date of my baptism, uh, June 28th. Just a little reminder of how important baptism is. That That's really good, John. And, you know, I, I can name the day of my First Holy Communion, but I do not have the day of my baptism. And so um, our conversation and others I've had recently lead me to say, I've got to look up my baptismal certificate and look up, uh, you know, what that day is, because I think it's important for us not only to celebrate our birthdays, you know, when we entered uh, physically, well, we enter physically into the world when we're conceived, in, the, in our mother's wombs, but when we're born, we always celebrate that as our birthday, you know, and I think to celebrate our baptism as our birthday into eternal life, um, now, that's when we die, we enter into eternal life, but the beginning, the seeds of that resurrection and eternal life are planted in us at baptism, when original sin is taken away as a child, or if we're 
an adult and we're baptized, all our sin is taken away. And that's what's so beautiful about the sacrament is that it removes sin and joins us to the body of Christ where we grow in a virtue and also grow in holiness and ultimately it bears fruit in our coming into eternal life of heaven. Uh, one other uh, little uh, factoid, Father. Uh, not only do I have written down uh, my uh, the date of my baptism, I also have the date of my first confession, uh, my first Holy Communion, and confirmation all on one little card on the back, just so I never forget and remember the importance of these days. John, you rock. That is great. <laughs> you know, let, I'd like to hear if, if any of our listeners, you know, maybe they were baptized as adults and they remember it. For, I think for most of us, we uh, were baptized as infants, and so we don't have a memory of it. Um, but I'd love to hear our, our uh, listeners' experience of baptism, you know, maybe being a godparent or being a parent and baptizing your first child, or, you know, if you were an adult and, and were baptized, uh, just what was that like? And, um, you know, what does, do you remember the day of your baptism? I know I've talked to some people recently who not only remember the day, but they, they also celebrate it with a present. So as they have, you know, presents for a person's birthday, they also have uh, an extra present, whether it was a month later or a few days later, a week later, they have presents for their baptism day as well. So maybe our listeners could call in with um, and share with us some thoughts about this and, and how they uh, celebrate baptisms. Great, great uh, uh, question for our listeners. Uh, if you uh, celebrate not only your birthday, but also your baptism anniversary, we want to hear from you. Give us a call. We have some open lines. You want to be part of our conversation. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Uh, real quickly, Father, I just want to share with you, uh, during uh, this Christmas vacation, we pulled out an old DVD of my uh, son, Joseph Don. Dominic's uh, baptism. He's now 14 years old, and we popped it in, and it was absolutely amazing and so beautiful to watch this baptism of this little tiny baby and the water being poured on and the, the chrism of the whole ceremony was so beautiful. And uh, I, I had no idea we were going to be talking about this topic uh, a few weeks later, so it's fresh in my mind, uh, the beauty and the gift that we have in baptism. Yeah, that's great. Did your son say anything about watching himself as a baby being baptized? Uh, Absolutely. He was really, really moved. It was very touching, you know, and it's such a gift that we have this beautiful video, you know, preserved forever, hopefully on, you know, on DVD, a digital mm -hmm. uh, record of, of that moment. Uh, you know, it, it was it's such a special day. And he was baptized on the Feast of Christ the King. So my little Joseph Dominic uh, is, is a special little baby. He's our adopted uh, Joseph Dominic. Oh, that's beautiful, John. I, I love stories like that, um, and especially now in our digital, technologically advanced age, you know, there's so many opportunities we have to, um, as it were, preserve those special moments, those, uh, what we said earlier, the greatest day of our lives, our baptism. So that's wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, joining us uh, from uh, the Chicago area, from Winfield, Illinois, uh, is Barb. Barb, welcome to Morning Air. You're on with Father Kabicki. Good morning, and thank you so much for your show. I just I really enjoy it. And I'd like, just like to share what our family does, or did do, <laughs> when our children were younger. We had five children, and um, we they knew after their birthday it was going to be another special day within a month or two or, or so. And so they, um, 
when it was their baptismal day, um, they got to choose what they wanted for dinner. And so they go to the grocery store with me and pick out what they wanted. And then I had a cake in a pan in the shape of a cross. And then we put a baby Jesus on it and we'd have the cake for dinner. And we also put out all the pictures from their baptism. And then um, after dinner, we'd light their baptismal candle during the meal. And then after that, my husband would take some holy water, and then he would ask them, trying to renew their baptism, like, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? And um, do you continue to share, share Jesus' love with others? And then each, and then he would take uh, his thumb or his finger and then make a sign of the cross with the holy water on his forehead and bless that person. And then everyone else in the family got to do the same thing. So that's how we celebrate. And each one of them know when their birth, their baptismal mm-hmm. day is, too. Wow. Barb, that's that's great. That's a great suggestion for all our listeners. I, I think it's it's wonderful to celebrate baptism. And, and the way you kept the candle that is given to the family at the time of a child's baptism and to relight that and... Um, and and then to have them you know celebrating in a special way with a meal that they like and a cake and and all of that and the renewal of the baptismal promises i mean all those are really concrete practical suggestions for what we call the domestic church you know that uh church is not just going to church uh but it's also how we celebrate um uh, it, with prayer in our families so thanks for those uh suggestions barb Thanks so much, Barb. Really appreciate uh, uh, your perspective. Um, we need to take a short break. We want to encourage our listeners on the other side. If you want to uh, share uh, your uh, traditions when it comes to celebrating the anniversary of your baptism, uh, give, give us a call. Uh, you can be part of the show, 888 So we're going to take a, a little break as we continue our conversation with Father James Kabicki. Stay with us. There's much more on the other side. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 888 That's 888-914-9149. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much uh, for joining us as we continue our fabulous discussion about the beauty of the sacrament of baptism. And we're going to touch base a little bit on confession here at the tail end as we're chatting with Father James Kabicki, our spiritual director and the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. Uh, Father Kabicki, uh, this is a, an issue and a topic that is touching some hearts across our country. We have a few callers standing by uh, to talk about the beauty of baptism. Great. I'm looking forward to hearing from them. Let's uh, head to my hometown of Glenview, Illinois. Uh, Maria is joining us. Maria, welcome to Morning Air. You're on with Father Kabicki. Thank you, Father, for taking my call. I just wanted to tell you that I was baptized when I was five years old. And the reason is my elder siblings were baptized when they were babies, but they kind of forgot about me. And the story is that I came back from school and I told my parents that I'm not going back to school until I'm baptized. So they... End up baptizing me, and I remember. Wow, 
and and uh, you because your your siblings, your other brothers and sisters, they had been baptized, and and you thought, what what the heck? Where am I? How come I wasn't baptized? And so you kind of threatened them you, that you weren't going to go back to school on, until you were baptized, and and they baptized you. That boy, talk about a child leading the way in the faith. You you did a great thing there, Maria. Thank you. Great Thank example, you. Maria. Thanks so much uh, for sharing. Uh, once again, 888 if you want to share what baptism means to you, perhaps uh, how you celebrate the anniversary of your baptism, uh, give us a call. Uh, Father Kabicki, uh, let's talk a, a little bit about the beauty of, of this sacrament. What are some of, of the benefits for us as Catholic Christians of being baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, as, as I said before, what happened to Jesus happens to us, where we're claimed as uh, children of God, and not just in name, but the reality is we're transformed. So it's been said what the Father sees and loves in Jesus in the baptized, he sees and loves in them at that moment of baptism, because we become temples of the Holy Spirit. We're flooded with, uh, with grace, with um, sanctifying grace. That means making us holy grace. And, um, and then we only lose it gradually, you know, when we sin. But, but that impact uh, of, of baptism is there, and it's, it's, it never goes away. Some people will use the word, it's an indelible mark. In other words, that when we're baptized, we become part of the body of Christ, and we may dissociate ourselves from church. I know in Germany there are people who are uh, saying, well, I no longer want to be listed as a Catholic, uh, I leave the church, whatever. But, um, no matter what we choose to do, we have still been baptized into the family of God, and you can't take that mark away. So that that's a major effect, is joining us to the body of Christ. And being joined to the body of Christ, naturally we, we can't, um, we, we are flooded with grace, and that takes away sin. So if you think of Mary, Mary full of grace, there's no room for sin in her. And at the moment of baptism, uh, that grace takes away all sin, whether it's uh, sin, uh, the original sin that we inherit from our ancestral parents, or whether it's um, the uh, sins that we committed as, as children and adults if we're baptized later in life. So it, it really is a, a great effect. And in fact, St. John Paul II, in a, an interview book called Crossing the Threshold of Hope, said that it was a, a bigger deal, a greater thing, to be a Christian than to be a bishop, even if that bishop is the bishop of Rome. So, in other words, baptism is is pretty significant if we think of it and listen to St. John Paul's words, comparing it to uh, what happens with ordination and uh, and becoming pope. Those are awesome words uh, from our late Holy Father, uh, St. John Paul II, uh, and it helps us to remind ourselves that the life of God uh, called sanctifying grace is infused into our soul, and uh, we become really born again. It's really appropriate to say that we are born again of water and the Holy Spirit. That's right, and that comes right out of John's Gospel, uh, chapter 3, where um, um, one of the elders of the Jewish faith was uh, asking Jesus about this. His name was Nicodemus, and um, uh, so he asked, how can a, a person be born again? Uh, I can't enter into my mother's womb again. And the translation of that word, again, it, it can be translated different in different ways. One of them is uh, to be born from above or to be born again. The, the point is that 
with baptism, we undergo uh, a supernatural birth uh, where we are, are given that um, eternal life, um, the beginnings of it, the seeds of it, that will ultimately lead, if we don't separate ourselves from God forever with, uh, with mortal sin, it ultimately leads to um, the eternal life of heaven. Father Kubicki, in the moments that we have uh, briefly, uh, can you uh, touch on the connection between uh, baptism, which takes away our sins, and obviously uh, the sacrament of confession? Well, you know, as I just said, when we receive that inflooding of grace, you know, the sanctifying grace, uh, that takes away all our sin. But then, as as we live, we fall into sin. We we choose things that are against God's commandments, and so we sin. And that doesn't mean we need to be rebaptized, but we have this wonderful sacrament of healing called the Sacrament of Reconciliation, in which uh, Jesus continues to be present through his Church and can take the sins away, just as he did in his earthly life. Remember, uh, when he encountered some people, he would say to them, your sins are forgiven you. Um, before he healed them physically, he would heal them spiritually. In fact, tomorrow's Gospel is all about that with the paralytic. And so um, we have that wonderful sacrament of healing. Just as baptism takes away all sin, so um, a, a good confession will take away all our mortal sins by which we lose um, the, the grace that God has given us and in, in which we alienate or separate ourselves from God. It, it reunites us and it gives us the grace uh, to um, battle temptation in our lives. So regular confession is, is a great uh, opportunity for us to meet the Lord and to receive help in uh, trying to live that good life that he calls us to. Father Kubicki, Margaret is calling us uh, from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Margaret, uh, good morning. Uh, welcome to the show. Good morning. Um, so I, I have a story. When I was um, going to be getting married, I had to get my baptismal certificate. So I was baptized in a small mission church that doesn't exist anymore um, in Laney, New Mexico. And so I had to call another church to find um, my baptismal certificate. And the priest there, um, he kind of kidded around with me. And then um, when he called me back with my um, with my certificate, he said, Oh, you were married by the famous Fray Angelico Chavez. So I thought he was kidding. But then I um, looked, looked him up, and it turns out that he is a little famous in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I was born. And he's done a lot of um, writings, and he has a statue of himself in front of the Palace of the Governors there. And um, anyway, I when I was at the cemetery to visit my grandmother's grave, I just asked him at the office um, if he happened to be buried there. And sure enough, he was. So I was able to visit his grave, and so um, so I have revisited there. Um, and now I pray for, um, you know, him there at the cemetery and my grandmother and others who are buried there. But um, I thought that was um, really neat because I was baptized as an infant and I never knew. Um, and sadly, I, we didn't celebrate our baptisms after that. And But now that I have found out that information, um, I, I do think about it more. Now yeah. 
You know, Margaret, what's really great about that is a reminder, in, and it would be good for our listeners to think of this too, that when we celebrate the day of our baptism, to say a prayer for that priest or deacon uh, who baptized us, or if we were baptized in an emergency for that person who baptized us, because that there's a real spiritual connection there. Thank you, Margaret, for that uh, story. Appreciate it very much, uh, Margaret. And uh, Father Kabicki, uh, thanks so much for your perspective and your reminder of the, the beauty of the gift of baptism that all of us have. And also, let's go to confession here in the beginning of the year. It's a great way to start the year off. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Father. You're welcome, John. Good to be with you and all our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Many blessings to you. Father James Kabicki, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. Now it's time for another edition of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Sweeter Than Dessert. In the days when an ice cream sundae cost much less, a 10-year-old boy entered a hotel coffee shop and sat at a table. A waitress put a glass of water in front of him. How much is an ice cream sundae, he asked. Fifty cents, replied the waitress. The little boy pulled his hand out of his pocket and studied a number of coins in it. How much is a dish of plain ice cream, he inquired. Some people were now starting to wait for a table and the waitress was becoming a bit impatient. Thirty-five cents, she said brusquely. The little boy again counted the coins. I'll have the plain ice cream, he said. The waitress brought the ice cream, put the bill on the table and walked away. The boy finished the ice cream paid the cashier and departed. When the waitress came back, she began wiping down the table and then swallowed hard at what she saw. There, placed neatly beside the empty dish, were 15 cents, her tip. Proverbs 11.25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. You, my friend, are a blessing. You can always download any of Glenn's Story Corners and listen to any segment of our show or any of our Morning Air podcasts on the Relevant Radio app at RelevantRadio.com. You can also email us, MorningAir at RelevantRadio.com. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air. For Glenn Leverins, producers Gabby Burke, Mariano Gomez, Sarah Tafoya, the whole Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Be not afraid. Let your light shine before all. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is next.